Hello everyone, this is John. Thank you for dropping by my YouTube and podcast, Catholic for Rednecks. If you're interested in becoming Catholic or learning about the faith, if you're just curious or intrigued or maybe looking for some junk, you have found the right place because I love to do videos, podcasts about the Holy Catholic Church. I was born and raised Southern Baptist in the great state of Alabama. And all, I'm just a redneck, but um, I was born and raised in a different church than I'm in now. I even went to seminary out in Oklahoma, and um, I spent 50 years in the Baptist Pentecostal churches and found myself wanting to be a Catholic. Come on in, listen. Yep, just wanted to... to let you see that uh, you got some supporters in Oklahoma. All right, man. Of course, you know, Dylan graduated there with her master's this last August. So uh, she's a smart, a smart girl. She is. So she's an F now. Now, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So she's yeah. a doctor. She'll be there for four years. Four years? Yeah. To get a doctorate. Yeah. Yeah. So all paid for. She'll graduate with a doctorate debt free. That is, that's just amazing. Yeah, well, I think it's, her parts from you. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I, look good. I like the background, man. Thank you. When when I fit when I want to work on my martial arts, <laughs> I like to break. <laughs> See? Yeah. Box. Nice. Look at that, man. I love it. Get myself all tough. <laughs> I don't like you. So long. Uh, I've been trying to line you up here, and I've had a, a rough time here lately, you know, just hooking up. Not hooking up like young people say, but, you know, getting on this YouTube thing. But I'm glad you're here, man. So what I want you to do is just, I know you're going to become a deacon. Yeah. And you went through the program, and it got to the time where they asked you to go with them to meet a, a lady, I know that, with your priest and a bishop? No, 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 no. So, so that, oh, that, it up. Yeah, so that's, so yes, I, my discernment was for the diaconate, and so you have to have the permission of your wife, mm -hmm. and that has to be formally done before the bishop and the priest. And so Donna, still currently right now, she's she's not willing to give me up. So she's, yeah. she's got a lot of stuff going on right now, and she couldn't commit to that. So, so that's... Postpone until we were in a different part of our life where uh, she can free me up and I can I can participate in that. So, but I I do feel called to be a deacon. So, uh, I just love helping people and I love love teaching the faith and uh, just being you know my favorite place in the whole world is being at mass. I could be at mass twenty four seven. You know, I love I'm happy. Alex. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, yeah. So I, I thought I was going to be a deacon. Still do think, but it's just not there yet, not to fruition yet. Okay. Well, tell me what happened when you went to to the exorcism. Oh, I've been or, I've been, I've been to several. Um, so you, the way that our bishop and our exorcist has it set up. So if anyone is interested in participating in the ministry, um, they have they have them come over for a couple of observations first to see if if it's something they can stomach. You know. And so that's what I did um, and kind of observed and, 
you know, it's not like a scary movie where you think, you know, where you're all scared and stuff about stuff happening and stuff. I never felt a sense of fear the entire time, either my, my first two times. And, um, I've, I find it very interesting in the way that the our exorcist does, um, does them. And so it's interesting because, um, for example, this uh, uh, one girl that we've been working on for several years, um, she's infested with hundreds and thousands of demons. And um, she was actually, at the moment of conception, she was offered up to Satan to be the high priestess. So she did her first child murder when she was like five or six years old for blood real deal and so uh so this this person was um uh infested okay and so in this process our exorcist found out that every demon has an arch enemy in heaven and so uh so one of the things that the uh, exorcist tries to do is pull out uh, the name of the uh, uh, arch enemy in heaven. Um, and then once we get that name or the, or the exorcist gets that name, then he invokes that, that uh, angel or that uh, saint um, to help with the exorcism. And so, um, so, you know, Abraham was one time was one uh, Adam, you know, Adam and Eve, Adam was one, one time and uh, St. Michael was another um, and so <clears throat> there's been several, but the exorcist pulls out a lot of information from these, uh, disembodied spirits or demons and a lot of it's historical truth and they write it down, um, on a ledger and they, and they cross-reference it and it's all true. Like stuff going back to the 1500s sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of interesting. And so, so the priest tries to get everything, um, any information that he can use for any future um, exorcisms with uh, with demons of, of that are involved with her, um, so it's just how, how how did the setup take place? Was it that? It's a uh, the chancery's office, uh, which is a holy place. It has to be on holy ground. The exorcism has to be on holy ground. Yeah, and so uh, it doesn't have to be on holy ground. It's just more effective on holy ground. I should say that to clarify. Um, but, um, and then of course we found out that, um, having the bishop present during the exorcism is even much more powerful because even demons submit to the bishop. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 13, 17, submit, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, that's, that verse is not just for us. It's for demons too. And so if the priest is having a hard time getting or extracting information from the demons, which they will fight tooth and nail to hold information, um, the bishop will claim it, and the demon has to reveal it at the at the command of the bishop. So having a bishop involved was really instrumental in terms of um, helping with exorcism. So now he's a uh, emeritus now, but he still participates in the exorcism ministry. So uh, so he comes and, and does it. And they typically do it. Um, once a week, and um, so uh, the last year that I was in it, um, I think we did over 150 exorcisms that year. Wow! Yeah, when she she come into the room, does she just come in like a normal person, or or um, she right Jack or what? Like one time they they screamed up the the driver called 
and said that uh, that the demon is is coming out and um, and so they pulled up into the transfer's front driveway. We're outside, and she was kicking and screaming, and, and the demon was speaking everything else. We flushed her down with holy water, kind of subdued the demon. We were able to get inside the chancery and then get her into the room and and and, and start the exorcism. The, the demon, we tried. They could try to hold, hide it from the demon as much as possible, so they don't know. So we can get into the chancery and and then start it at that point in time. Try to do a, a sneak attack, so to speak. You know, it's kind of like I have to trick my dog when I'm taking her to the vet. Because <laughs> once she gets there, she knows what's going on. Yeah. She's going crazy so i have to distract her right so it, it happens bye-bye so right recognizes where she's at yeah and demons so, the same way what uh, i remember you was telling me that um y'all were just having a normal conversation you couldn't believe that uh the lady was there for why she was you, yeah you tell her, seemed like a normal lady yeah like until the bishop showed up yeah and so uh and then once the bishop shows up you know, it was in interesting because before the exorcist became an exorcist, um, the bishop sent him out to investigate the case to see if it was truly a possession case. Mm -hmm. And the priest comes out, and the uh, individual is squatted in the corner of a dark room, and he looks over at the priest, and uh, he says, you can't do nothing to me. He says, you don't have authority. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, so then he come back, reported to the bishop, and uh, the bishop then bestowed him to be the diocesan exorcist. And then he came back and he started screaming, "No, get away from me!" So, yeah. so they can tell. Um, we had a couple of people that were going through, that were in the ministry, that were going through the diaconate, and after they got ordained, um, the holy urar. This is kind of interesting. I don't know. This, this is kind of mind boggling to me. Is Scott Hahn kind of touches on this about how he thinks that the farther you are from God, the colder you are, and the closer you are to God, the harder you are. Right? Mm -hmm. Seraphim have the six wings to to protect them from the heat of God, right? And so, uh, anyways, so once these uh, uh, candidates became deacon ordained, demons were notified, and then they came in to help hold her down. And the demon looked at her and said, looked at him and said, why did you get so hot? You know? Oh, really? Yeah. And so, um, so it's just kind of, in, they, they know things and, um, you know, the closer you get to God, I think the hotter you get. Uh, we can't discern it because we're, we're limited with our flesh, but yeah. even the demons see it. So, well, um, it's kind of scary stuff to me. You may not have been scared. I had a, a, uh, Situate, look, I'm getting a stigmata. <laughs> Not <laughs> wrong location. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow, man, that's pretty wild, though, ain't it? Yeah, it is. But uh, no, I was picking at a sore while you're. I was transfixed while you're talking to me. I need a. <laughs> I don't have a tourniquet available. I'll use my pants leg or something. You got a red but, shirt. <laughs> yeah, I went on. I did something. I don't know if I told you about this. Do you remember when I had that carpet cleaning company? Yeah. Happy Feet. Okay. Yeah, Happy Feet. And I went to this house, and it was kind of a, a freaky-looking house. When you, The whole neighborhood is freaky. But I got in there, and I was, uh, you know, I got in the house and felt just felt a vibe. Yeah. 
know, just kind of a vibe. And that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I think I sent you my podcast about staying in a slave house. I don't know if you got to hear it, but um, I went in this house and I got in the basement and I'm cleaning the carpet down there. And I just felt this fear come over me. I mean, ice, just icy yep. fear. Like something, my back was tingling. Like my hair was standing up. See if I could get to do it again. <laughs> but uh, I, was, I just got scared. And the more scared I got, the faster I was trying to work to get that job done. Right. Then when I went to pack everything up, I was in such a hurry to get the hell out of there, literally, that I left half my stuff in there, man. <laughs> And I'm driving home, and I, I was crossing over a lake on a bridge, and I'd read somewhere that they can't travel over the water. I don't know. And also, but I had some holy water, and I was like throwing that holy water on me. And it was, it was kind of scary. So my question to you is, do you think that uh, demons can occupy a property? Oh, yeah. And a human? Uh, they can possess humans. They can uh, have oppression on humans, um, an attachment. Uh, mm -hmm. It starts with jacking around with the uh, the occult, Ouija boards, that kind of stuff. You know, um, now, what you can have a demon attached to you, then then they oppress you for a period of time, and then after a certain amount of time, when you've become um, an extreme state of depression, demons really attack are attracted to people in, in the, that are depressed or have depression uh, diagnosis because their spiritual defenses, so to speak, are, are lesser and, um, and they can possess easier after a period of time of repression. And so, uh, so it's kind of a, it's interesting that uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen, a uh, blessed um, uh, commented that, uh, that there was less psychological disorders with a more frequent use of confession. Yeah. Yeah. Because isn't a confession like a minor exorcism? Or is yeah. that a bad? Yeah, it is. And so, uh, so, uh, anyways, it's just, it's just kind of interesting in terms of, of how they, we had, we had, now I'll tell you, I didn't get really scared with this, but this made me, you know, things that make you say, hmm, you know, remember the song, you know? Um, mm -hmm. There is a gentleman that, um, that was having an auction, those storage house auctions, or those storage places auction off all the stuff inside. Well, he just auctioned the whole storage shed and got all this stuff. Well, evidently, some of the stuff in there was used to witchcraft and all kinds of stuff, and that it was it had attachments to it. And he became possessed. Like, he just started writing stuff on the wall, walking around naked, um, doing all kinds of crazy things. And so we had, I've got pictures of us destroying these um, these items. And um, and when you crack them and destroy it, just weird colors of um, fire come out from like green, flying greens and just different kinds of colors come from the fire because you have to destroy them with heat, you know, and yeah. so that they don't fall in other people's hands and they become possessed. And right. so now I'm like, you know, garage sales and storage rooms are kind of off my list now because of that experience. Yeah, I had a. Uh experience a few weeks ago. I don't know if I told you about it or not, but 
Uh, my wife was having a bunch of trouble at a place she was working. I mean, just constant drama and problems, just, you know, the toxic, kind of like that. And um, there's a doll that was sitting in an office there. And this doll, she said, was just kind of, it almost looked like a toy, but it was freaky looking. Yeah. And she just started getting a bad vibe about it. Well, at the same time, somebody had given her some like wooden statues of frogs, decorative frogs, and she had put them on the uh, on an on a end table in our den. And I'm slow to notice things. I walked in there one day and I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it looked new age freaking, it looked scary. Demon- I didn't want it in the house. <laughs> Why you got that? Because these frogs are sitting there with their hands in the air. And I, I was thinking, wasn't that one of the plagues of Egypt? Frogs <laughs> <laughs> in the house for, you know? And I just had a bad vibe, and all this crap was going on at work. I said, well, first thing we're doing is get rid of those frogs. And so then that that doll was still where she worked, and I didn't want to touch it. You know, I don't believe in taking stuff that don't belong to me. Yeah. So I got Father Jeremy one day, and uh, I told him, I want you to come to this office and do your thing. What's that thing they got with the holy water in it? Yeah, yeah. I, I call it the sprinkler, but there's a name for it. Yeah, it I, got a bucket, man. I don't know what I was in there. I mean, it's a huge bucket. And so I picked him up, and it's raining. And we got there, and uh, he's in his black outfit with the white thingy. And he's got this big golden bucket. <laughs> and, and my wife didn't know. My wife knew he was coming. But what she didn't know is they were having a corporate regional meeting there. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so I let father, father in. Connie came out to meet him, and she had to walk him through all these corporate people, all these suits. <laughs> so, and he's got the big old bucket. And uh, he went back there and did his. Now, I stayed out of the way. You know, yeah. I, I stayed out of the way. But. He went in there and did that. And I think he said a prayer in Latin. Yeah. And then he left. Well, the problems continued. And I said, well, did you get that damn doll out of there? And she said, no, it's still there. I said, throw that doll away. And she didn't want to mess with it. And guess what John did? <laughs> you got it and threw it away. <laughs> John went down there and got that doll. That doll, not her, me. I took that doll to a certain location, and I was looking over that doll the whole time because it was on the on the seat of the car, waiting for that thing to come to life. And I tell you what, it looked like you ever seen them stupid balloon things that blow up on the side of the road? They're like the eyes, yeah, any tubes or dolls, right? That with hair. And wow. so got to a gas station, and I was looking around, make sure no one was looking at me. And I got that little effort. <laughs> <laughs> I threw it in the trash can and 
spoke Jesus on it, got some holy water, and got it all in the truck because it was giving me the creeps, man. Yeah. So I've heard of dolls and things having attachments. Yeah. You know, just like holy things would. Yeah. So like, metals. And so uh, we had we had demons that discovered nice this beautiful sacred harbor Jesus. Yeah. Never knew what it was. Grew up with one in my house. So, yeah, we uh, found out that demons can unbless items, too. How's that? I do not know. You don't know? Nope. So, so just like you can tell, so the person that was possessed, that was being groomed to be a high priestess, she could tell when items were blessed. And she could say, that's hot. She would call blessed items hot. That's, yeah. You know, and if, and if they were hot, she wouldn't touch them. But if they weren't hot, if they weren't blessed... Then she would touch. She would touch them and say, "Not hot, not hot," you know. And so she would touch it. Uh, and so every, after every exorcism, we'd have to check all our blessed material to see if they were still valid. Um, but demons have found out to unbless the items. I don't know how they do it, never. Mm -hmm. But uh, they can do that. Well, I, I don't know. I heard. Um, I heard a program. I may have sent it to you, and they said that. Three, oh, and I heard Father Bean and RCIA. You've heard me talk about him. I went through RCIA as a sponsor yep. about two years ago. And he was telling us that I think it was him, the three signs of a genuine demon possession. Right. Or something a demon could do. He said that all. They will know every one of your unconfessed sins and yep. blood in your face. Yep. And they have knowledge of all uh, languages they've never learned, right? Like Chinese or whatever. And I think the other one was all uh, they know stuff. There's no way they can know it. Yep. He, he called it the knowledge of hidden things. Yeah. And the, the other one was like supernatural strength, like they could crawl up a wall. Yeah. This one girl, we had three gentlemen holding her down and each one of those gentlemen, believe it or not, were over six, eight, 350 pounds. And this woman is maybe five foot three. And she was around, to put it with charity, she was around, uh, and, and I'm talking about circular, you know, yeah. not round, and, you know, but uh, around person. So she, she was overweight. She was obese. Um, but she didn't have any muscle mass. And she was lifting these gentlemen off the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, of course, uh, that's when we uh, invoked St. Michael and uh, the exorcist said, St. Michael, put her hands on the table. And right then and there, her hands slammed to the table like that. When two grown men couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. But we got to see the communion of saints at work. Um, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, supernatural strength. The other one is the love of nudity. The what? The love of nudity. I like to be naked. Have. Do what? That's what a demon will have, or so oh, the, the person who's possessed will have like a porn? talking about porn. No, talking about being naked. Oh, like taking their clothes off. Yeah, walking around naked. Huh? No, she was never naked because she came in um, with her caregiver. Yeah, responsible for her. so well, she. Yeah, but the gentleman that got the stuff from the um, uh, storage said he he was naked. Yeah. We had a, a police officer back when I was with the police department. 
What is your opinion on the Eastern Orthodox, Beto? I'll let you answer. Well, they they have a valid mass. We can't participate in it. Um, they are in schism with us, um, but they have a valid mass, and the Vatican recognizes the authority of their bishops. They're just mm-hmm. not in communion with us. Yeah. So they're our brothers in Christ. They they share the same traditions that we do. Um, they're a little bit different, different rites, obviously, um, but they have a valid Eucharist. They have a valid mass. They have valid priests. And they have valid bishops. They're just they're just uh, schismatics, if you want to put well, it. Why can't we participate in Eastern, Eastern Orthodox? Like, you're talking about like the Greek Orthodox. Uh, yeah, or the Russian Orthodox. And the reason being is because there are not part of receiving the Eucharist is also proclaiming the unity of the body of Christ. Yeah. And they're not in full communion with the body of Christ. They don't submit to the papacy. Right. Because of that, um, we can't participate in their mass. I understand. I don't, um, I don't know. You know, you read, I've read, uh, I was thinking how many times I've read the catechism and I forgot one time that I did read it. So I read like, four times, four or five times. And so, you know, there's different catechisms, Baltimore, the St. Joseph, the John Paul II, uh, Pen- the Penny Catechism, and and also there's a little bit different take. Right. And um, I was reading in there to where when you're going up there to receive Jesus, you are signifying you're in communion. Right. That right. you're in communion with the Pope. Yes. And that you have no business receiving the Eucharist out of communion with not only Jesus and your brothers, right, but the church. Right. So I wonder about all these people that are trashing the Pope all the time. Do they go to communion the next day? You know, I mean, because they're not in communion. Right. And so I think a a lot of people, um, including myself uh, in the beginning of my re-evangelization, I call it, um, don't really understand the the whole teachings behind the Eucharist. You know, they'd be out of the body and blood of Christ and you take communion because home, home, right? That's what you do. And you go through the whole process. Um, But they don't really understand, I think, what it what it signifies, right? Mm-hmm. And not just that it's the body, blood of Christ, which is the pinnacle of our faith, right? It's to receive the Eucharist, but it's also a communion of one another because um, it's the marriage supper of the land, right? It's where we consummate our marriage with God, right? Just like you and Connie, when you celebrate your marriage covenant, you become one flesh. That's a beautiful thing, right? That's something I, that... So long, I don't remember, Beto. <laughs> well... <laughs> Let me think. Let me see if I can remember those days. I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt, you know. Oh, <laughs> You're looking uh, at oh. <laughs> but you know, so that 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 idea that we have in the marriage in the, in the marriage covenant is beautiful. But when we receive the Eucharist, it's it transcends that because that's limited with with you know me and my wife. That's limited to the realms of the flesh, right? We can only experience that union to a certain degree because we're limited, right? With the Eucharist, it's beyond that. But our flesh limits us on what is actually happening, right? Our union with God literally becoming one flesh with him. We become a walking tabernacle. 
That's why it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelations 19, 5 through 9, right? And so it's where we consummate our marriage with God, where we say, all right, I do, right? And we celebrate that union with him, not just him, but because we're all one, right? Father, I pray that they may become one, so that thou hast sent thee, so that the world had known, right? right? And so our unity is also fundamental to the Eucharist because we, not only do we share our, our flesh with Christ, but we, we share it in a broader way with everyone else that receives the Eucharist, right? Yeah, there's communion. Right, right. The communion of the saints. Right. And so it's not just at your local parish, too, right? Because the Mass is outside of Kronos, linear time, right? It's in Kyrios, outside of spells. It's in the realm of God. We're, we're actually in heaven, right? Right. So it's so it's not a multiple Mass that happens through all time. It's, it's Masses being presented, celebrating in the one Mass that's eternally going into heaven. All we're doing is plugging into it, that one Mass, yeah. right? And so everyone that's ever attended Mass is there with you in those four walls, but more broadly in heaven, right? Because we're no longer in Kansas, Toto, right? Right. And, and, so, and so with that being said, we're, we're being unified with everyone that's ever attended Mass since the Last Supper until then. Your great-grandchildren are there celebrating it with you, even yeah. though they're not born yet. Yeah. It's cool, man. It's um, some that's kind of thing. You you can't you can't wrap your mind around it. You know that's why I think I love mass so much because it's it's this foretaste of heaven. And if you if you try to eliminate what your eyes see and open up what you with your heart so your heart can see, I think it's I don't know. I'm just happiest there. I'm just happiest there. I enjoy going. I I start getting uh, really excited about it. You know, Friday and Saturday, kind of that feeling you get for a football game right i really do i get pumped up and uh i I really i mean i don't go out of obligation right i mean i'm not there because i have to go i want to go and i get to go right and i do working at ew10 was bad for me because there was a time there were i was at work at the mass yeah and I was going every day. Right. And I was I was part of the landscape. I was I just, you know, I, I was busy working at the mass and that kind of um I was glad not to work the mass anymore. Right. I know that sounds bad, but and I've been an usher before at mass. And I got to where I didn't like being the usher. Yeah. I'm distracted. I'm not, I mean, if you're doing your job, somebody's got to do the job, but now I'm too old for it, right? Right. But, uh, I don't know, I like to enjoy the mass. I like to smell it. Right. It, I like to feel the kneelers. I like to fold my hands. I like the beads. I like the incense. I like the, you know, sometimes I love just watch my granddaughter get distracted at mass yeah you just look and you know you've seen the pictures of the inside of my church before right you never get bored no well that's that's why they call it the teaching church of the poor the what oh really yeah because uh until more recently the majority of people were illiterate 
And so they did frescoes and paintings and stained glass windows to tell the, the gospel, to tell the stories of the gospel, right? What do you call the teaching house? The the te it's, it was called the, the uh, oh my gosh, now you put them on, my brain went blank. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, teaching, uh, the, the teaching church of the poor. And so, and so, you know, grandmother would take their grandchild up to the church and, and that grandchild baby would look, oh, what's wrong with that lady? Oh, my dear, she's pregnant. That's Mary and that's baby Jesus on the donkey. And they're headed to Bethlehem or whatever, right? And so you could, you could explain through visuals the story of the Gospels. And yeah. that's why we have those icons and images and all that within the Catholic Church. That's a tradition that goes back to the very beginning because not everybody could read. Right. Well, they got, there's a church here next. If you're ever in town again, I, I mean, we've, hooked up twice, but if you're ever in town again on time to go to Mass, there's a uh, Melkite church. You know, it's Catholic. Right. They have a different Mass than we do, but it's under Rome. Uh, it's one of the Catholic rites under the Vatican. And starting in the, uh, I want to call it the four-year, what do they call it? The next, next tram or something? Yeah, don't get me, don't get me, don't get me to start lying, so. Yeah, my son, Brian, he's got all these fancy words for the different parts of the Catholic Church. Right. And accuracy. Right. That's about as far as I go, but you go right there in the front, and it's like it's starting in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And all, and, and with the archangels from even before the earth was here, you know, St. Michael, St. All of them are back there, and it's just one icon and painting and stained glass after another. I mean, the the whole is just. And then, you know, at one time, for some reason, they outlawed that for for a while. I don't remember why. This is way back, way back in history. And then, they uh, the Pope or whatever, or the bishop said, okay, you can use your icons again. I don't know what it was about. So it was okay to use icons. And on the anniversary of that feast day, I just happened to be there with my granddaughter, my wife, and my kids. And they told you, you know, as soon as we blow the whistle, go and pick out an icon, and we're going to parade it and march around the church. I saw that video. Yeah. yeah. So we went out there. And I don't even know what I grabbed. Just grabbed the icon, and they come right off the wall. They got little pegs, and you hold them up, and we had a big old line going, man, and they played all this Greek, Arabic music, this Hebrew stuff. Man, it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome, man. And then, you know, you put, at the end of the thing, you put them. It's just a little different than our than our. You know, they don't get on their knees on Sundays. And and I was reading some early church writings. Uh, I think it was either Polycarp or Eubius. Eubius? Eubius. Eubius? Yes, Eubius. Eubius. Yes. He, he was saying, man, we, wherever he was, we don't kneel on the Sabbath. Yeah. You know? It's just kind of strange on how... Um different traditions are, are formed from, from the apostles. Each one of those apostles 
these rites kind of develop from. You know, yeah. they trace all themselves back to the practices of how they, the apostles uh, introduced the mass. Right. To, you know, based where they were. And well, they became rites because they were separated a little bit, right? And so yeah. A little bit, and I think it's by, by the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit that it was organic that way. So you can have a little bit of flavor. Yeah, the, culture. You know? Culture, you know? That's why I, I never got... I, well, you're my witness. When that Pachamama stuff first blew up, who did I call first? Right. I called you. I know. I don't worry about it. I was going off. I was in the, I was at EW10 when it happened. Yeah. I yeah. was going off. Then I started finding out a different side to the story. Right. From what was reporting from the YouTube talking head. Right. Something else. And I think that's those characters are it's really sad because they, they're creating a schism within the church when it's not necessary. Right. You know, you know, I think we need to focus more on on the evils of the world. I mean, yes, we have to correct some mispractices within um within what we're doing or or clarify them or correct them or or what have you, but over and all, I think we we're friends. We're on the same path, right? Mm-hmm. We're on the same goal. And, and that's and that's to overcome evil with, with love by presenting the body of Christ to the world. You know, Catholics better be. Yeah, got the same Jesus in the in the Eucharist. I know some folks think they got a big uh, predator looking Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like the Rock. Yeah, mass. No, our Jesus is on steroids. <laughs> He's a bionic Jesus, and you guys got a little bitty midget, limp wrist Jesus. Right. Put in your palm. You know, you put the big steroid Jesus in your tongue. Right, right. Midget, tiny Jesus. He's walking with a cane. He's just a little old Jesus. He can't do hardly nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Same Jesus. Right. Whether you're at this mass or this one. Right. The the newer one or the 800-year-old one is Jesus. Right. Right. Well, you yeah, know, get it, but you know, it is what it is, you know, and so, you know, the thing it is, is I don't try to buy into the, to that type of dialogue with them in terms of creating some type of a debate. I just try to, I just try to, you know, if you don't agree with the Novo Otis, then that's fine. Don't participate it, participate in the Latin. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's where you feel like you're getting fed, you know, for me, I, you know, I don't go to the, to the Latin. I like the Nova's order. I, I've, um, I'm comfortable there. And, um, and I don't think that, uh, and I get spiritually fed, you know, I, I do a lot of traditional things like mm-hmm. I read the tongue, you know, I bow during certain, so I, there's a lot of calisthenics that I do that are included in the Latin mass that I do in the Nova. It's not excluded, you know? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people think that, you know, you can wear a veil at Nova orders, you know, you can do all of the, the traditional Latin things you can. So, but, you know, you know, I, I do think that, um, one of the things that the pet peeve, if I if I have a pet peeve, is the pawn orals. One what? Pawn orals, and the other is um, receiving on the hand. That's the two that that um, they kind of bother me. That's included in, in in the Novus Order. I can't say that ever right, but called uh, <laughs> the Nervous Order. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, anyhow, um, you know. 
the holding the hands during the Our Father. Oh, are you talking about like this? Yeah, that's that's called the Pon Orbis. Pon Orbis. Yeah. And so the only person is, is, is that can do that is the priest. Yeah. You can persona Christe, right? All of us, we, and so when we're using that gesture, I don't think we realize that we're trying to say we're offering the mass too, and we're not. It's it's the priest that's offering it. Have you ever heard a priest address the church about that before? Uh, our bishop did right after, um, because it, I felt like he felt like it was the right time because we were all hands off, right? Um, because of COVID, no touching hands, no you know, no kiss of peace and all that other stuff, you know. And he felt like that was the appropriate time to go ahead and implement that only the priest is to do the novice order at mass. There's some people that still do it, but for the majority, a lot of people are not doing it now. So. Yeah. Well, at my parish, you can tell a visitor when they do this. Yeah. And then after about three or four Sundays, they don't, I just do this. Yeah, me too. No, and I don't like shaking hands with folks that's got snot, that been sneezing in their hand. I was at St. Teresa before COVID, and there was these three <laughs> girls behind me at mass, and they were like, Snot sneezing. I mean, it was disgusting. <laughs> All through mass, and I told my wife, I said, do not turn around. Just hands. She's going to be rude. I said, I don't care. It's rude to be snotting your nose all through mass. Take your ass to the bathroom. Wash. You know what I mean? Yeah. I found a cure for it. You just stare forward and you do like this. And they're not going to bother you. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do. I'll just, if they try to shake hands, I'll just wave and I'll just go do peace. And most people now, they don't take offense of it because of the COVID, you know? That was a, maybe that's why God let it, let it come, is to clear that out. Because I didn't. You know, he takes everything bad and makes it exceptionally good, right? Like yeah. the crucifixion, right? You look at every horrible event that's ever happened. And that's why God lets allows bad things to happen to us, right? Because it's it's through these hard times is when we truly learn to love, right? Or tr truly learn to present the body of Christ. As you look at every, like for, you look at 9-11. I mean, how many people came together after 9-11? The Oklahoma yeah. bombing, right? The marathon yeah. bombing, right? You look at when uh, the Notre Dame um, Cathedral burned down. How many people came together, mm -hmm. right? And so it's it's through the fire and rubble that love exists, that love soars. Um, and so he allows those bad things to happen because he wants to love to win. And that's how that's how he conquers it. I, I thought of you a couple of weeks ago, Beto. Uh-oh. You, you know your buddy Trump, your friend Trump. Yeah. <laughs> but I was at the White listen, I was at the White House, okay? And uh, have you ever been there? I've been, uh, when I was in eighth grade, I actually went into the Oval Office. Back then, you could go into the Oval Office on tours. That was like 800 years ago, okay? Well, <laughs> Pennsylvania Avenue, right? Right. And uh, my wife had dropped me off because I wanted to do some walking around, and it was cold. So her and Lee kept driving. They dropped me off there in front of the White House, and and then I came back right in front on Pennsylvania Avenue. 
I'm standing there waiting on her to come by. And I'm looking at this church right across the street. And I can't tell if it's Catholic or what. I just saw St. John's. Yeah. So I walked across the street and it's St. John's Episcopal. But it's kind of Episcopal that says Eucharist and Mass. And it had a sign on there that said every single president of the United States history has attended Mass at this church at least once. Okay? And I went over there and I was thinking, and then I remembered. you remember when they set it on fire? Yeah. About three years ago? Yeah. And Trump saw it on TV and got his Bible? Yeah. West Wing and just walked right across the, you know, the front lawn of the White House, all the way across and he was holding the remember he was doing this. Yep. Yep. It was upside down. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, just <laughs> a man or a Bible. You know what? A Playboy. He didn't know for sure. But he was holding it and I was like, that's just what I was thinking of you, man. <laughs> I'll send you the video in a little bit, okay? Yeah, it sounds great, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking about you up there. Yeah, it's, it's a, that's a cool city to, to go and visit. There's a lot of history. I was like you. I went when I was 18. Man, Reagan was president. Yeah, I know. Ronald Reagan. He's been dead like 20 years. I know. Me too. That's how I went. So, so who, who was, when you went in the Oval Office, who was it? Ronald Reagan. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're not you're not too much older than me. You're only like ten years. Can't be that. How old are you? I'm almost fifty. Almost fifty. Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm, I'm sixty. I thought you were like sixty-five. <laughs> I wish I looked as good as sixty-five. <laughs> Man, you look good. So, um, but no, uh, it was a long time ago. So yeah. Well, look here, man. I'm going. to let you go. Sounds but good. I've enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. And there's a million times I wish you're around to help me with some of these trolls because you have the best gift of what do you call it? A charitable what a do you call discussion. I can't do it though. You can do it, but <laughs> you remember that Baptist professor? Oh yeah. Was he Baptist? Yeah, he's a professor. Well, yeah, but I didn't know he was Baptist. I thought he was something else. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Baptist professor at uh, New Orleans Theological Seminary. No, how, what do they call it? N O, whatever they call it, the big place down there in New Orleans. He blocked me. Yeah, he blocked you. <laughs> uh, I don't blame him because he has like a million people on his Facebook reading, and you just. Man, you destroyed the dude. Was the, I have to give credit to the Holy Spirit. So he's, well, the, he's the one that does the talking. So you're the best one I've ever known at debating. You know, the. Well, the, you, you don't want to uh, win the argument and lose the soul, you know? So you yeah. have a way to love the soul to bring them to. What is it, Paul? It says, you know, you got to kind of go to where they are so that mm -hmm. you can where you are. And so that's kind of how I look at dialogue with people who maybe don't agree or or even they're just questionable. I kind of go to where they are, right? Mm -hmm. And start having them use their own reason to come to where I am. Because yeah. it's, if it's true and you're seeking truth, you're gonna that's where you're gonna go, right? That you'll end up here, right? If you're honest yeah. with the truth. It's really seeking truth. Right. Not being Catholic. 
So I, I try to just, I try to ask questions that they're already asking, you know, and that they don't know they're asking, but they see it. it's the elephant in the room that everyone talks about is the division within Christianity, right? All these churches teaching different things and they're all teaching from the same book, right? Right. Well, Holy Spirit confused? Does the Holy Spirit suffer from multiple personality disorder? You and I, not true, right? Right. So, so something is wrong here and they see it. They don't want to talk about it, right? Because it may require them to do something different that they're scared to do, right? Yeah. It's, it's a big thing for them. So they, they don't want to they don't want to talk about it. But if you ask the questions and plant the seed, and in my opinion, if you ask the question and plant the seed so that their own conscience and the Holy Spirit within them, if they're Christian, right, and baptized, um, starts to nag at them to seek, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, but you just have to do a little bit here. You know, you can kind of, I can kind of tell when a person is probably getting combative and that's when I back off, you know, because yeah. start losing the soul. Right. Yeah. And, um, but there's areas that, you know, I'll start off with, yeah, we can agree. Right. That um, Jesus is our savior, that he died once and for all. Right. And, you know, start from there areas where we are in common ground and then kind of branch out from them based off what their hiccups about whatever it is that we believe, you know, one of the things like, for example, Mary, you know, that I, and this is something that I do, you know, and, and I always tell us that, you know, the thing about Mary is all about Jesus asking Mary to pray for us. And, and, and what I mean by that is I'll ask him, is Jesus perfect? What are they going to say? Yeah. Yes. Did he follow the 10 commandments? Yeah. All right. Because he's perfect, right? He was sinless, right? And what, what is the fourth commandment? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it's honor thy father and mother. That's right. Honor your mother and father, right? And so Jesus, Jesus honored his mother. And I point out, and you see Jesus doing this at the wedding feast of Cana, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus, the people without wine. Woman, who are you to tell me? Get up and do what he tells us. She didn't ask them. She told them, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Bring this out in context with them, you know? And what did Jesus do? Yeah. He turned to wine, right? He sure did. Right? And so Mary saw a need for the people, and she petitioned for the people. And Jesus, because he's perfect, right? And it didn't go against the will of the Father, did his mother's request. Right? Right. Us Catholics, we do no different. Right? Mary, is, and it goes back to, to uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 10, where where what's in what's what's in the ante room before the throne room? It's, it's the queen's chamber, and who was the queen? Yeah, it was Solomon's wife. No, it wasn't his wife. It was his mother. That's what I meant. Yeah, but Sheba. Yeah. yeah, it was it was his mother, and so and it was. Abish, what's his son's name? I don't remember. He wanted, he wanted the what the girl, so he asked his mom, the king's mother. Right. For, yeah. What's Second Kings? What? Second Kings, chapter two, verse ten. I'm gonna write that down. Cause I just heard it on a podcast, Second Kings two ten. Yes. And so what you see being described there is King Solomon giving out a decree that there's the special chamber be built for his mother and a throne a throne for her, and all the people were to come to him or to her for their petitions, and then she in turn would go to the king. Wow. Right? And so and so Jesus following the traditions of King Solomon, right? And every every king from Solomon on down 
to Jesus followed this tradition. It was the queen mother, not the wife, who was mm-hmm. Israel, right? And the people went there to give their petitions to the queen mother. So when Mary knew that when she gave her fiat, what that meant, that she would be the queen mother and that she would, her one of the roles that she would be playing is being, uh, is petitioning for the people of Israel. That's right. You know? And so, so you use a little bit of reason and you take them back, back to Jewish history, not Catholic history, Jewish history, and they can start to see the roots. You don't have to win the argument. You just have to put it out there. And then they can go and, and start, start because that nagging inside, mm-hmm. it'll just fester until until you, you, you figure it out, right? Right. But they're truly after uh, truly after God's heart, right? Right. Well, I guess I'm doing it for the right reason. <laughs> right. I'm you know? more about my motives than theirs. Right. And so... So I found like that that's the best way to do it is just find common ground and then then just kind of help them use reason, which we all are is a gift from God for all of us, right? Right. Is reason and have reason in conjunction with the Holy Spirit to drive them home. You just gotta plant you just gotta plant the seeds. Enough enough to get them nagging, you know? You don't have you know, and of course and that's what I did with him too, I think I believe that I, I I did a lot of historical stuff. On why we do things, even his pastorship, I told him sourced itself for the priesthood, and he didn't like that. But it's hey, can you hear? Me? You're you're frozen up. Uh oh, can you hear me now? I see. I think so, man. I think that's the Lord saying, "Let's meet again." Okay, let's do this again real soon. Hey, yeah, just let, can you hear me? I'm more than happy to come on. I always like talking to you, man. We always talk good stuff. We'll do John chapter 6 next, okay? Perfect. I'll, oh, okay. Right. Bye-bye. Peace. Love you, man. Peace.